Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here. Yes, I'm a neighbour. If you're wondering what the journeying mercies were, uh, I actually live in Whitney in Oxfordshire, so I did come from not just up the road in Fleet, although I'll be back there again very shortly next week. It is great to be in Fleet. God has really blessed us with that building to be able to move in there, and it's a platform for great things, we believe, that God is going to do, not just from that building, but beyond. And uh, so it's such a joy, uh, and it's a, a privilege. Uh, just in case you don't know, um, we are expanding our operations. If you go on the website right now, you will see a host of job opportunities. You might be sitting here thinking, oh, go and have a look. I know there is at least one other person here. Work. Where's Mary? Mary, Mary? Yeah, she's at the back there. Sorry, Mary, you've heard all this before, but anyway, you're going to hear it again. But there are some great job opportunities, and you're local. And maybe God is saying there's an opportunity for you. I just leave that with you. But this morning, um, I have two great things uh, that I've, I'm privileged to be able to bring. The first of all is a celebration. It's a thank you for... The relationship that Fleet Baptist Church already has with compassion, and we're going to do that in a moment, um, but also I uh, have to bring God's word to us, and I'm looking forward to both, and I just pray that God's spirit will be on what we do, that he'll speak to us, he'll challenge us, he will inspire us, all of those things. But we're going to begin by this celebration, by this thank you. It would be remiss of me. As a, as a guest, not to say thank you for your hospitality, but more importantly, to say thank you for what you are already doing as a fellowship for the, so a number of the children that Compassion is working with. Now, I don't know quite what this is going to look like this morning. It was a little bit iffy um, in the first service, but if we go to the, the next slide. Yeah, same problem. Okay, don't worry about it. When we originally put this together, the system told us that there were 16 children whose lives were being transformed by folks here at Fleet. But actually, the real number is, well, it was 32 before the service this morning. It's now 34 children that are being blessed and lives transformed because of the generosity of folks here in Fleet Baptist Church. Now, you might not think that's very much, but when you've got nothing, and I mean nothing, when you go to bed at night realizing that the following day it's going to be more of the same and you may not eat, you may not work, you may not be able to look after your children as well as you want to, and somebody somewhere gets alongside you and says, Lord, I'm going to invest in the life of this family. And their lives are transformed. I can tell you, it makes an amazing life-transforming difference. And there are 34 children whose lives are being transformed and their families because of the generosity of what you're doing here. And I want to give you thanks for that. And I think you should give yourself a round of applause, actually. <laughs> the next slide, if we can move on through these, um, is... Coming? Yeah, there was in the former one. There are now 14 different countries in which these children live in. 14 are some of the poorest countries in the world. 
the children that you are looking after, you are sponsoring, you are investing in, you are standing alongside there in some of these poorest countries, but their lives are going to be very different. And the next one, please. As we said this morning, this is a bit of a first. This is the first time I've stood here in front of a congregation and the congregation have written more letters than the children. Now, that's a fantastic thing. You may not realize, I wouldn't expect you maybe to realize, but the difference writing a letter makes to a child. When you are in very difficult circumstances and you receive a letter from someone that you've never met but who's saying, I love you, I'm praying for you, I'm investing in your life, I want God to bless you and, and bless your family. Can you imagine getting a letter like that when all around you is darkness and trouble and difficulty and it's life transforming. So thank you for writing the letters. I'm going to encourage you to write again. Some of you have written more than others. This is not a guilt thing, but I can tell you it's, a, it's wonderful to write letters. And we've now got an app, and you can do it in seconds, in minutes. Just a little, a little message to your sponsored child saying, I love you, I'm praying for you this morning, I hope you have a great day at school. Now, they're not sitting there with a mobile phone and it's arriving, ping, it goes through the system, but it goes very, very quickly, and you can do that very quickly. And I'd encourage you, speak into, in the same way that you speak into the lives of your own children, Speak into the lives of the children that you're investing in. It makes a tremendous difference. Next, there are, sorry about this, there are 15 girls and 17 boys. Next. And since the partnership started, there have been Bibles given to every child, medical uh, uh, to every child. There's been more than 4,000 hours invested in the children that are being sponsored by folks here. By folks, the local church who love and care for each and every one of them. They're investing their lives on our behalf in those children. Next, please. Financial support. Over £10,000. That number can be doubled. It's up there. It's over £10,000 just in the last 12 months that has been given to compassion in order to meet the needs of these 32 children. And we want to give you thanks for every single penny that you give, every single donation that you make, every single direct debit that comes out. It is making an amazing difference. Next, please. Well, there's the original 16. And I've already promised uh, Christopher that uh, the, by this time next week, or at least two weeks from now, the others are going to be up there. We'll, we will resend the PowerPoint. Maybe Matthias. Matthias is an old compassion hat. Bless the old. I know. Although it's a bit of grey going on there now. <laughs> Actually, I, I'd, be, I'd be thankful for grey. I don't know what I'm saying. So anyway... Um, but we'll update the, the presentation and maybe Matthias will get the opportunity and then you can see the picture of your sponsored child. But again, I want to thank you for each and every one of them. Uh, you know, Christopher has been to Uganda with me. He has seen this at first hand. We cannot imagine in Leafy Fleet what it's like to live in some of these countries. 
I can tell you it is desperate. It's abject poverty like we've never seen before. And everything that you are doing, the letter writing, the giving, the praying, it's making a difference and it's transforming the lives of these 32 children and the communities in which they live. So again, I want to thank you for that. So thank you very much and bless you. We're now going to come around God's word, which is equally the theme of compassion. Equally, everything that we do and everything that we are comes out of God's word. And I think Mark is going to come and he's going to read the scripture to us. It's actually in the message version, um, a particular passage. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15, but it's going to be in the message. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 15. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour out blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, <coughs> sorry, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seeds to the farmer that becomes bread for your mills is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can give them away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out the social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live, to live at your be very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings, to your needy brothers and sisters, and really towards everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for your word, and we just pray that as we open it, you will inspire it, you will challenge us, you will give us joy from it, Lord, you'll give us purpose and plan and direction for our lives, and it comes from your word. Amen. So this passage, when I was uh, originally reading this passage, I was, I was a little bit nervous about preaching from it, because the context here is Paul, he is writing to the Corinthian church, and uh, just a little bit of context, the Corinthian church was not your perfect church. They had problems on every side. They had divisions in the church. They were bringing lawsuits against one another. They had unruly services on a Sunday. They didn't know how to behave with one another. They were in a bit of a mess. But one thing that they're commended for in this passage is their generosity. And the context of this is very much the context of money. And as someone who represents a Christian charity, a bit nervous to come and talk about money. 
But actually, I want to use the passage to talk about the context of generosity. What it is to be generous. As you can tell, I am not from here. I'm not even from Whitney either. I am originally from Glasgow. And, uh, and from Glasgow, narrowing it down even more, from a place called the Gorbals. Some of you might have heard of that. Um, the Gorbals was a pretty rough area to grow up in, to be honest. You either had to be a good fighter or a good runner, and, uh, or a good talker. And if you were all three, you were in good night. But anyway, it was not the easiest place to grow up. And I grew up in the Gorbals, which at that time was reputed to be the poorest borough in Western Europe. And we were a family of six, and we lived in a tenement block, and there were two rooms. There was one room that was the bedroom for the four children, and then there was another room, which was my mom and dad's bedroom, and the living room, and the kitchen, and the guest room, and every other room. And it was only sort of 12 by 10. It wasn't particularly big, but all of that stuff was going on in that. And then the smallest room in the house was actually not in the house. It was on a landing shared by three other families. So we grew up in what would have been seen to be, certainly by today's standards, poverty. You'd think that was poverty, wouldn't you? There's no central heating. There was no double glazing. The bedroom didn't even have a fire. Even now, you know, you know this, Matthias, I lived in Sweden for a while. And um, middle of winter, minus 25, I've got the window open. That's how I was brought up with the cold and the wind and the rain, no heating in the room. I thank God for it now. My mother's 94, fit as a butcher's dog. She still gets the window open. I, I can I tell you, I can vouch for it. But anyway, we grew up in circumstances that were certainly by today's standards, Poverty. Now, thank God for parents who invested in our lives. They were determined that we would have a bigger horizon, a bigger life, more opportunity, that we could aspire to things that they could never even dream of. And we thank God, my, my sisters and I, we thank God for that. So we didn't really see it as poverty, but it was. But I want to fast forward just to a, just a few years ago. When I was working for this Swedish company, I was in Mumbai in India, and I saw for the very first time abject, desperate, hopeless poverty. People living in the street who didn't even have a room to live in. And everything that you and I do in the privacy of our homes, these folks, from the youngest to the eldest, they were living on the street. And I saw this forlorn look on their faces, and I recognized for the first time deep, desperate poverty, abject in the extreme. And I've not had many things like this in my life, but God clearly spoke to me at that moment, and he said, what are you going to do about that? That was a challenge to me, something which I immediately sort of stepped back from and said, Lord, what do you expect me to do? It's vast. It's too big. It's huge. And I, I don't know about you, but you see these images on our televisions or coming through the internet of hundreds of thousands of displaced people living in refugee camps or desperately trying to get over an ocean in order to have a better life. They're fleeing violence or persecution or poverty. 
And we look at it and it is just too big. It overwhelms us because it comes in like a torrent. Oh, that's a, that's a government's problem. That's an agency's problem. That's a charity's problem. But God is saying, you know what? I have a solution. I have a solution to that. That solution is his church. Amen. The solution for the problems of the world is his church. It is what he has gifted to us to do. The mandate to see poverty uh, eradicated in this generation or the next is his, it's his church's role and privilege and responsibility to be involved in that. You know, there are many different aspects to poverty. There is physical poverty, the lack of material things. Here in the UK, even in Fleet, there are people who need food banks to put food on their table. Living here, near you, near me, in Whitney. Whitney, beautiful leafy Whitney, former uh, constituency of David Cameron's, got a food bank. That's an indictment on us. But there are people living in those circumstances. So there is a material poverty, but there's also an emotional poverty. We're living in a world that's very, sentiment, very sentimental, but there is an emotional poverty in our lives. Loneliness is at an epidemic level in the UK today. You will know people who are desperately lonely. They have a poverty of relationship. And they're living next door to you, and they're living next door to me. You will definitely know people who are living in spiritual poverty. We live in a post-Christian society in the UK today. That's a fact. For many people under 30 years of age, they have no idea who Samson and Delilah is. They have no idea who uh, uh, Daniel is. And the only reason they know Jesus is it's a swear word. We live in a post-Christian society that is absolutely bereft. It is poverty-stricken of the spiritual. There is something deep within that is crying out, but they don't know what they're crying out for. And the answer to all of those things is the church. There are organizations like Food Bank and others that can meet poverty and, and material needs. There are organizations that can meet emotional needs like mind, for example, and praise God for them. But there's only one organization, one organism, one body in the world today that can meet all of the needs of every single person in the world, and that's the church. That's you. You may not feel like it, but God's answer to poverty is us. Whatever form it comes in, God's answer to the solution, the response, is to use you and I to see people released from poverty in Jesus' name. We are God's answer. Thank God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he makes up for every failing and deficiency in me and in you. But we are God's answer. That, by the way, that's not second best. That was always the plan. Always the plan is that God was going to use his church to bring relief, to bring life abundant, to bring all the things that, are, that will enable us to walk a life that is transformed. 
You see, God is a generous God. It's in his nature. Everything he does is generous. Look at the world that we live in. The world that he created, he created that world so that you and I could commune with him. So that you and I could walk with him in the cool of the day. Talks about in Genesis. When we see a sunset, what is more glorious than that? God has said, enjoy that. When we see a rainbow, enjoy it. When we see a little child and, you know, the stubby little fingers and the tiny little fingernails, and you think, wow, how beautiful is that? God has created all of these things, and he has generously given that we might enjoy. That's what he does. He gives generously. But he wants us to be like him. That's the news. Now, there are days when my Christian walk seems easy. But there are also days when I'm on that travelator and I'm going backwards faster than I go forwards. And I, I guess we're all like that. I guess we've all got times when, Lord, you feel close and then there's other times when you feel so far away. But we're still his answer. We're still to be like him. We have to walk into a different life. You know, this passage that, we, that was read to us by Mark, yes, it's focused on money, but actually being generous is much more about money. It's way beyond money. What you folks are doing for these 32 children, yes, thank God for your 25 pounds a month that sees their life transformed, but it's more than that. It's an attitude of heart. It's something that God has placed in you to reach out and touch a person that you've never even met. The possibility is you won't meet them and yet God has put something in you that says, I'm going to go beyond. And when God talks about money, and he does a lot, by the way, in the four uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talks more about money than he does about heaven and hell combined. But actually, what he's really talking about is, where's your heart? Where are you at? Are you building bigger and bigger barns? Or are you investing in the kingdom, in your kingdom life? He wants us to be generous. He wants us to emulate him. He wants the world to see him by us being like him. And if we are not like him, how are they going to hear the gospel? How are they going to see the gospel if his church does not rise to the challenge of being like him? Be holy as I am holy. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? I struggle with that every jolly day. Oh, that wasn't a very holy thought, that one. It happens. But um, we've been encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit to be holy as I am holy. Why? So that we can just be good and lovely and and fluffy and warm? No. So that we can radically transform the communities and the families in which God has placed us. Because it's only God's holiness in us that will enable us to do the things that he wants to do. It's only the Holy Spirit residing in us that makes us big enough and enabled enough and empowered enough to make a difference. But it's more than money. Oh, James, if it's more than money, why is it? What is it that's more than money? Well, it's time. I'm with you. Last year, 
big birthday. So I thought to myself, okay, two-thirds of my life probably gone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Sue. I cheered her up. <laughs> Praise God. But I thought, I might have a third left. I might have a day left. That's enough. I know. But I tell you, there are chapters to come. Amen. For each Amen. and every one of us, irrespective of your age, irrespective of your background, irrespective of where you've come from, there are chapters in your life that God has a plan and a purpose for you to make a difference. Amen. We hear a lot about legacy. Every footballer wants to leave a legacy. Every musician, sorry, Sue, wants to leave a legacy. Everything's about leaving a legacy. The only legacy that matters is the legacy of transformed and changed lives. Amen, yeah. One of the saddest things I ever saw, I was wandering uh, just out for a walk one day and I was walking through the Whitney uh, Cemetery. Not a happy place, but it's a beautiful, green, lovely space, quiet, the birds are singing. And I came across this gravestone. Here lies Arthur Smith. Worked for Whitney District Council for 40 years. That's his legacy. Yeah. That was it. That was all that could be written on his gravestone. That was what he was proud of. And then we heard of your brother Ron this morning. A man who has seen through his ministry, through what God had done in him, thousands upon thousands of lives in the kingdom that would not have been there except God used Ron. Yeah. What a legacy that is. Yeah. And when you're investing in the lives of others, you are leaving a legacy. My dear old mother, she's 94. And yes, yeah, she is fit as a butcher's dog. She's got no money. She's never owned a house. She's always rented. Everybody rents in Glasgow. She's always rented. And she says, oh, I'm sorry, James. I've got nothing to leave you and your sisters. And nearly cried. Look, look what you've given us, mom. Every single one of us know the Lord. And my sister's children know the Lord. Yeah. And their children's children know the Lord. Yeah. What legacy is that? Yeah. Yeah. Folks, we've got to be investing in the kingdom. Yeah. It's the only thing worth investing in. Yeah. I don't care how big your barn is, how big your house is, how big your car is. We've got to be investing in the kingdom. Yeah. And we've got time. Yeah. That's one of the things God has gifted us. Yeah. You've also got talent. I, I can't sing, but I love it. I love singing, but that's not my gifting. My gifting's something else. What's your gifting? What has God uniquely placed in you to say, make a difference with that? Amen. It might be the proximity to a certain family. It might be that hospitality is your thing. It might be that you're an encourager, that you whisper words. It might be you're a prayer warrior, whatever it is. It's a gift from God and it's meant to be used and shared and invested in the kingdom. Amen. Yes, we have resources. Yes, we have money. Not to, not to uh, pass over that. God has given that we share. God has blessed us with financial well-being and material wealth to bless. First place, church. Local church. I'm here from Compassion. Yes, I want to see kids sponsored. I want to see kids' lives changed in places like Rwanda and Uganda. But your first and foremost priority is here. It's the local church. And 
out of that will flow everything because the local church is God's gift to the world. And they have the mandate to make the difference wherever they are, which is why compassion only ever worked through the local church. What else has he given you? He's given you the good news. He's given you the gospel. If you know the Lord as your savior, the gospel, the good news is resident in you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives are being transformed. By the way, transformed doesn't mean a lick of paint, you know, tidying something up. There's these programs, you watch daytime television nowadays, there's all sorts of different things. There's a program there, that's, you've got this, um, I saw one the other day, it was a little puppet that their father had used to bless all these children up and down the country and it was torn and tattered and broken and they take it to these people that are going to repair it and they paint it and they put a new spring in and they do a bit of this, they do a bit of that, but essentially it's the same thing. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't just tart us up a little bit and put a lick of paint on. He transforms us. He has created a new life in me. I am a new creature in Christ. It may not look it. The hair's gone. The teeth are gone. There's more wrinkles than I know what a road map. But hey, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so are you. And the gospel has been invested in you. Why? I'm going to keep it. It's mine. When's the last time you invested the gospel in somebody else? Either by word or by deed or hopefully combination of both. He has invested so much in us and in you. But he's done it for a reason. God's motivation for all of this is that he loves us. Yeah. He loves us so much that well-known verse, God so loved the world what that he gave his only son. God is the giver of good gifts. It says in James chapter 1 that he is the father of heavenly lights and he gives only good gifts to his children. God has given you some marvelous and wonderful and amazing gifts, some of which you might not even be aware of yet. How about praying, Lord, what have you given me that I can use for your kingdom? God has given his son. Why? Because he loves us. Because if we believe in him by faith, we're not going to perish. We're going to have everlasting life. He loves us. His motivation for us is that he loves us. His whole reason for Jesus dying on the cross is that he loves us. The whole reason for Jesus being resurrected and coming back is because he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to commune with us at the very deepest level. And he gives us good gifts. His mercy is new every morning. We told the story this morning in the first service about manna. For those who maybe don't know, the, uh, the children of Israel, they're, they're out of Egypt, they're heading to the promised land, they're hungry, and they say, Moses, we need some food. And God says, okay, I'll get you some food. And manna comes down. But God gets very clear. He says, I don't want you to store it up. I don't want you to hoard it. I want you to believe in me and have faith for me that it'll be fresh and new every morning. But what's the first thing they did? They kept it. 
They put some in the larder for tomorrow. And when they got there in the morning and they looked at it, it was mouldy, it was rank, it had gone off. It was like milk that had been sitting in the fridge for three months. It was horrible. You couldn't even dream of eating it. It had gone past the sell-by date, but they'd hoarded it. They hadn't understood. Don't worry, there's more of the same. Use it. Give it away. There'll be more in the morning. God's grace and his mercy and his love and his care for each and every one of us, it is new every morning. And it's new every morning because he wants us to use up what he's given us for today. If you're storing something up to use it next month, I've got news for you. It may have gone off. Use what God has given you now. You have an opportunity now. You see, we are to, it's a, it's a little bit, um, getting, getting taught a lesson about generosity, you know, it's, it can be difficult. Sometimes it's a little bit like um, Christmas and you've bought your kid uh, a PlayStation. You buy your child a PlayStation, never used one in my life before, to be honest. I, that's the extent of my knowledge. But anyway, you buy and they get all excited and they open the whole thing up and they, and they play with this PlayStation for an hour. And then you happen to say to them, can I have a go? No, it's mine. That was a gift. And they haven't understood it. Oh, like the story I told this morning, my dad bought his, we didn't get PlayStation. So when I was a kid, I got a packet of crisps. We, my dad bought us a packet of crisps. When you only get two packets of crisps a year, that's a lot. And you went, oh, packet of crisps, cheese and onion, my favorite. Oh, my, smell it, fantastic. I'm getting all excited. And then my dad says, can I have one? <laughs> no, it's mine. It's mine. Well, my dad worked in the shipyards. And so he took this packet of crisps off me, he put his hand in, boom. It was like these grabbers you see at the fun fair, you know. Boom. <laughs> I left with about two crisps. I know. Oh, thank you. But he said, always remember where the gift came from. Folks, remember where the gift has come from. You think you're sitting there and you've done it yourself? I've got news for you. Everything that we are and everything that we will be has come from God and goes back to God. And if you're holding on to your packet of crisps, Folks, let them go. Let them go. There's more. God is an abundant God. We cannot outgive Him. We cannot, you know, and, and He wants to give us more and more and more, but He's only going to give us more if we've given away what we already have. Why is He going to give us more when we're holding it already? You want to know abundance in your life? And I'm not talking money here. Forget that. You want to know abundance in your life, an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace, an abundance of security, an abundance of well-being, an abundance of purpose, an abundance of plan. Be generous in God. Give it away. Whatever he's given you, give it away. Don't hoard it. We live in a post-Christian society. We've mentioned that already. And the world is out there and it's trying to create something that's beautiful and lovely and attractive. 
And it's getting uglier by the day. They need to see Christ, the hope of glory. And where are they going to see him? In you and in me. There is nothing more attractive in this world than Christians living a radical, generous life. Because they give away what they have. And people look at you and say, what is that about him? What is that about him? Am I making a difference? Am I leaving a legacy? You know, some of us are like, again, like children at Christmas. We've all been there, I guess. And you get this, maybe it's quite a big thing. It's a toy car or it's something that's in a big box and you give it to this four-year-old child or three-year-old child and they open the box and they get rid of the toy and they play with the box. Some of us are like that. God has given us so much and yet all we're playing with is the wrappings. The gifts are there to be used, to be appropriated, to walk into. You wonder, but what, what can I do? God has uniquely placed you to do what he wants you to do. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter two. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which way is your escalator walking? Are you walking into good works that God has prepared for you? Or are you walking in the wrong direction and you're getting nowhere? God has prepared good works for you. We live in a world where we're going to be bombarded with requests. Yeah, and I'm here, I'm representing compassion. My boss might not be too happy with me this morning because I think I've only mentioned it twice. (laughs) But anyway, um, we'll come to that. But God, he wants us to walk into these good works. He wants men and women and children to experience what you have experienced. A life of liberty and freedom in Christ. A life where we need not be anxious. But we can feel peace and joy and contentment. Even in the most difficult circumstances. There is something beautiful and attractive about a generous person. I like that word stingy. When Mark read that passage to us in the message, and I was here, that just sums it up, doesn't it? You don't want to be with somebody who's stingy. Because I tell you something, if they're stingy with money, they're stingy with everything else. They're stingy with their love. They're stingy with their compliments. They're stingy with their encouragement. They've got more of a bad word to say than a good word. God wants us to be the opposite to the world that we live in at the moment, which seems to be full of angst and strife and bitterness and wanting to separate one group of people from another, depending on their financial well-being or their politics, whether they're in or whether they're out. But God is saying, come on. Bring Jesus into your community. Take me with you into your community. Share what I have given you. Give it away. How much? Everything. Everything. The measure is everything. God gave his only son to die. He laid down his life for us. He gave this much. He's given everything to us. And as we said earlier on, it's all his in the beginning. But it's a journey. 
it's something that we can walk in one step at a time. I'm not saying go away and don't pay your mortgage or don't put food in your table or don't. I've been very careful not to talk about money particularly. We all have responsibilities, things that we need to live up to and, and, and look after our families. But we can all give it away. Whatever it is. What is God saying to you that you've been hoarding and keeping? And he's saying, I want you to give it away. You want to have a legacy in your life. You want to make a difference in your life. Sow and invest in the lives of others and you will reap blessing. I can tell you now, it may not come back in the form that it went out. God has his own economy, but you will reap blessing. My mom sowed into her family and to her neighbors and others. There are a host of people who know the Lord because of my mom. She's not got two brass pennies to rub together to look at her. She has been blessed beyond measure and she knows it. She's thankful for it. Folks, get beyond what we see and touch and feel and invest yourself. Invest what God has placed in you by the power of his Holy Spirit in the kingdom where you are. We may not all go to Uganda or Rwanda or anywhere else for that matter because God has placed you where you are to make a difference. Lives transformed. Just for the last 10 minutes, I'm sorry I've overrun a little bit here. I got a bit overexcited. I also got permission, by the way, so I'm not feeling too guilty. Um, but for just the last few minutes, I do want to come round to another reason why I'm here. I am here to represent compassion. I'm here to represent children who cannot represent themselves. They are voiceless. Many of them are hopeless. And Folks like you are already making a difference and you're seeing their lives transformed, but there are many others. And I want to bring those others to us this morning. And maybe one of the things that God is saying is that he wants you to get involved in the life of someone you've never actually met before. Invest in the life of a child. I want to show you a short video. It's a story of Richmond who Christopher has met and how his life was transformed just by someone like you and me getting alongside him. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that, I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof, it was a tin roof that had holes in it. I've been to places where when it rains, people are happy, they get excited. But for me growing up, whenever it rained, that was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets, place just where the holes in the roof are, and wait until morning. 
A reality hit me that day. This was life. I remember when my mom said to us there was no money for food. That ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. Hunger began to set in. Lack of water. I was a kid. I, I didn't have time to be a child anymore. As I lived like this on a daily basis, Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend and her friend shared with her about compassion compassion staff members immediately came to our home uh, i remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to to get details of who we were what our story was i got the news that a young lady heather she was 15 years old a teenager she had decided to sponsor me i cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. It means food will be given to us because of you. I began to walk into that reality that ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me, to hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I am doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food, and water. Poverty is in. It's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. of one life transformed by someone like you, someone like me saying, I'm going to invest in the life of a child that I've never met before. There are now 5,000 pastors in Uganda have been trained by the Pastorship Discipleship Network. 5,000 pastors. 
sowing into that country from one life, from one 15-year-old girl who said, I can make a difference. Her name was Heather. Never met her. Now, I know that there are at least 32, 34 children being sponsored out of the fellowship here, and we thank God for each and every one of them. But just as I finish, maybe this is something which is a practical way in which you can get involved in investing in the lives of others. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you're already sponsoring a child and you think, actually, you know, I could do another. For £25 a month, a child's life can be transformed. I'm not unaware that that, that can be quite a sum of money for some folks. For others, it's a night out. It's a chocolate bar once a day. It transforms lives. We can transform lives. Church, you can transform lives. Little Caleb, for example. I love the story of Caleb. And the older I get, the more I love it. Standing on the verge of the promised land when he's 40, 45 years of age. And he wants to go in. He's ready for the fight and they turn back. 40 years later, he's 85 years of age. He stands in front of that. It's the very same mountain. He says, Lord, I'm ready. I'm 85, but I'm ready. Bring him on. Here's Caleb. He's four. What's, going to, what's God going to do with this Caleb? Somebody gets alongside and invests in his life. What's going to God going to do with him? I have a number of other children here. I've got permission to do this. It's not very British, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you are interested in sponsoring a child without obligation, because you know we, you need time to consider this and think about it, but um, if you would be interested in having a look at one of these profiles, if you could just put up your hand, we'll give you one. Then at the end of the service, if you want to come and see me and say, yeah, thank you, I've got some questions, or thank you, but not at the moment, or yeah, I'd love to sign up. Again, without obligation, but you're interested. You actually, I want to know a little bit more about this. Just as we're having a last song and you just get the opportunity to think about it and pray over a particular profile. If you would like to see one of these, you want to put up your hands and we'll pass them out now. And Matthias is going to get his exercise. Bless him. Thank you also. Thank you. Just whilst they're doing that, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for listening. But I do want to encourage you. God has given you so much. He has placed his son in you. He has deposited the Holy Spirit in you. And however inadequate we may feel from one day to the next, the Holy Spirit is dynamis. He's power. He's energy. He's everything that we need to make a difference for the kingdom. If you're thinking that I can do this in my own strength, he doesn't want your strength, thank you very much. He wants your weakness. He wants your weakness. And in your weakness, he will do mighty and wondrous things for his glory. So thank you and bless you all. Amen. James, I want to thank you so much for a very, very powerful word. We're going to end this meeting differently because I believe God is saying to us we need to respond. And there's a, there's a number of ways we can respond. I'm hoping that we will more than double the number of children we're sponsoring. 
And so I want to encourage you. Um, think seriously about that. Don't make a snap decision now, as James has said. Think about it. If you want to sign up today, then do so. If you want to talk to James, he's just going to be at the table up there. Talk to him. And £25 a month, you think, wow, that's a lot of money. We, we sponsored a child first about 15 years ago, um, and we wanted to bring our children up thinking about giving to others. Uh, and then when I came back from Uganda with James uh, in the autumn, uh, we prayed about it and felt, actually, do you know what? We need to sponsor another one. Now, £25 a month extra is a lot. But we wanted to be obedient to God. We felt God had said, do this. And I have to tell you, this is how it works with God. When you give, you don't notice losing it. Because you can't outgive God. And so we took on a second child back in the autumn. And I'm not telling you that for any other reason than just to testify that actually you can't outgive God. And so in obedience, we, we just have noticed that actually God is just such a faithful God. And so please pray, and I said this in the first meeting, this is the prayer I want you to pray. Say, God, is there a reason why I should not choose today to sponsor a child? And if he gives you a reason not to do it, obey him. And if there's no reason why you shouldn't do it, let's increase that number of 34 kids to 100. Because it's not just those children, it's the whole of their families and their communities that utterly get transformed in Jesus' name. Did you see some of those statistics on that film? Every four minutes, a child gives their life to Christ because of the work of compassion. This is a kingdom investment. So pray that. The second thing is, as James was saying in his message, what is it God is calling you to do? What is he calling, calling you to give this morning? And so often we hear a message like this, and then we sing, and then we forget, and we go home. This is why we're ending it differently. What is God calling you this morning to do? What is your response? What is he calling you to give? Now, for some of you, that's going to be to change the way you give financially. Respond to God in that. If that's what he's calling you to do this morning, don't just go away and say, that was a great message. Respond to it. Make a covenant with God and then act on it. For some of you, it's going to be time. For some of you, it's saying, what are you actually doing for this church? If the church is going to be the thing that God uses to bring transformation in this community, what are you doing about it? And if you're not on a team in this church, why not? Because the church is poorer if we're not having your gifts being used. So what is God causing you, calling you to do? And what is he calling you to do with your time and your talents? Would you stand with me? And as we draw to a close, let me lead us in a prayer of response. Father, we acknowledge before you that everything we are, everything we have, is because of you. And as we stand, we offer ourselves to you afresh. We simply say, here we are. As Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. And Holy Spirit, I just speak over every one of us now a prophetic revelation from the heart of God as to what it looks like for us. As we stand before you and say we're giving ourselves to you, 
show each one of us what does that look like? What does it look like in terms of our giving, of our money to this church? What does it look like in terms of giving of our time and the gifts you've given to us? What does it look like in our workplaces? What does it look like in our families? What does it look like in this town? Holy Spirit, would you show us? As you lead, we will go. And we thank you, Father, for everything you've given us. We thank you for the privilege of giving. Let us have heaven's heart of generosity. In the name of Jesus.